Welcome to the Real Estate Hustle Podcast. My name is Andre Chin, broker owner, real estate investor, mega agent, and real estate coach. We're going to be tackling all things real estate, bringing you guests from all across North America, mega agents, mega teams, and we're going to be diving deep into their businesses to figure out how they got to where they are and how they consistently bring that hustle into their business every single day. Buckle up, our podcast starts now. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Real Estate Hustle podcast. We've got a fantastic show for you today. We've got Josh Anderson coming out of Nashville, number one team in the Nashville area. These guys are absolutely killing it. And we're going to dig deep into their business and learn a little bit about what they're doing. Josh, thank you for joining me. Thank you for, uh, for being here today. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for the opportunity, man. I appreciate it. So, so Josh, tell us how you've kind of, you know, give me the journey. You know, where'd you start? How'd you get into real estate and, and sort of where are you today? Yeah. So I'm originally from Nashville. Um, I didn't grow up here. I lived here until I was 10, uh, moved to Louisiana and uh, we moved to Louisiana. My dad's a farmer. We owned a, a 3000 acre plantation in Louisiana. Uh, then I went to LSU and I graduated in finance and economics and um, had this, I created this story in my head of what the, what the my career was going to look like and I got into the real world uh, worked at an investment bank and then a private client asset firm in uh, downtown Franklin which is just a suburb of uh, Nashville and worked there for about a year after working at an investment bank and it, it just you know I wasn't being challenged I wasn't being mentored I, it just wasn't filling my bucket and um, so I, I appreciate that I have the background in finance and the numbers and the data and all that stuff um, but um, you know, I was exposed to real estate a little bit when I was young. My mom was kind of a part-time agent, helped my dad and grandfather buy and sell land and things like that. And so, but I'd always been interested in buying, you know, investment properties. And so I, I in 2000, April of 2006, I joined Keller Williams. And uh, so 15 years later, this is, this is where I am. And, um, you know, I think my first year in the business, I did 23 or 24 transactions, which, you know, then was like three and a half million in volume. And, uh, you know, it took, it took me three and a half months to do my first deal. So it was really in about eight and a half for nine months, I did 23 deals. That's not, that's not, not bad. Where are you guys today? Like, like, what does it take to be the number one team in Nashville today? Yeah. So, um, today, so I'll, I'll say, um, my goal was always this, this mythical, like crossing over a hundred million dollars in volume. We did that in 2019, um, you know, and once I did it, it was like, once you do something, it's like, I mean, it's still, it's still cool, but it was, it was just a number. It wasn't really that big of a deal once we did it. Um, and then 2020, you know, we prepared and did everything. And then the pandemic happened the week before the pandemic happened, we, um, had a tornado, pretty bad tornado in, in Nashville. So, um, anyway, we ended up doing 135 million in volume in 2020 which was right at 4 million in GCI and 255 transactions. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, that is impressive. And, and congratulations to you. I, you know, I, I love hearing it and Nashville's a, a really cool town. I haven't been yet, but I've heard really, really great stories about, about Nashville. Um, you know, similar to Austin, right? It's same, same type of town, musical town and, and great people. Um, it's, it's, I had an agent the other day talk to me about, you know, one of those shows on HGTV that, you know, the, the couples out of Nashville, I think that we all know who they are. And, um, you know, they give you kind of this illusion of, you know, what real estate in Nashville is like, is it similar to that? Is there, is there that much opportunity there? Is there a ton of opportunity for investors to be in Nashville? And, and do you guys focus on any of that? 
Yeah. So, you know, I, I think there's always, no matter how good or bad of a market there is, it, there's always an opportunity. Um, you know, you might have to do something a little bit different or dig, work different angles. Um, there's still opportunities. I think the traditional investment game of, of flipping houses or buying and holding um, and looking at cap rates are not as attractive as they were five years ago. Um, but, you know, I think this is probably the new norm for quite a while. And um, it's still more attractive than people putting their money, you know, maybe if they're from California and they live in California, I think we're still more attractive than most places uh, that are metro cities. But um, yeah, it's getting harder, but you, you can always find a deal. You can always, yeah. you know, and, and it depends on what everybody's, and we work with a lot of investors and people that are doing flips. Um, most of our business is still traditional, but we have a lot of people that do um, STRs, short-term rentals like Airbnbs. Um, you know, I think it just depends on what your expectations are. If somebody comes to us and says, hey, we want a 10 cap, you're probably not getting it in Nashville. Right. Um, right. You might be able to buy something and, and over time make it right. more valuable. Yeah. 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 Now that, that makes sense. Well, I mean, so so sounds like you've got about 15 years in the industry um, and and meteoric rise. What were the challenges, right? We, we get a lot of people that ask, you know, teams versus non-teams. So I wanted to ask, what's your opinion? And then we'll kind of go back, you know, and talk about some of those challenges. But what's your opinion, team versus non-team? Yeah, you know, I, so I started out as an individual and um, we have a team now and, you know, I'm, I'm biased. So I'm going to give the biased answer. I think a team is better, um, but I think it's better because I think you can serve clients at a higher level and I think you can do more in the community. Um, and that's a little bit of a generic statement or a generalization, but, you know, I think in this market, it's very hard to be an individual agent uh, working with buyers and also having listings and being able, you know, if you, if you don't have an assistant, or even if you have like one assistant, it's very difficult to get, have leverage in place to do some of the things that we're able to do as a team to beat people out on deals or find deals as coming soons or pocket listings, or maybe they're things that aren't even going to go on the market. Right. And so, you know, those are, those are all things that I just kind of tell people, I think there's always going to be individual agents and I think there'll always be teams, but I think as we continue um, into the future, and I think we have more technology and more people pulling at our commissions and things like that, I think teams are going to have to get more sophisticated, more efficient, more nimble. And I think a lot of people that get into the business as individual agents are going to get tired of doing some of the things that they didn't realize they were going to have to do when they got in the business. Um, I didn't start a team because I thought that was the cool thing to do. I, I did it out of necessity. Um, I just, at a point, I started getting too many referrals and I wasn't able to service all of them. And so I created a team slowly, um, just starting with an assistant and eventually getting a buyer's agent and a junior agent and, or a showing agent, things like that. And so, it, you know, it just kind of scaled over time. I get that. Are you, I mean, biased as, as well, I agree. I mean, I think I heard Gary say it maybe seven or eight years ago um, at, at one of the family reunions where he mentioned, you know, um, you're either, you should either be thinking about starting a team or joining a team because the, the solo agent's just going to have too hard of a time. And, and it sounds like you're, you're kind of in alignment there as well. I know I am. I, I, I watch solo agents struggle. It's not that they can't do it, but you're right. There, there's so much more that a seller or a buyer is expecting from a value perspective that an individual is just going to have so much work that they have to do to, to yeah. replace what a system like you have or, or some of the other organizations out there have. Well, and I, and I think if you look at anywhere you go and support locally, 
they're all teams, right? I mean, you go to the, you go to your doctor and it's a team, you know, you get checked in by one person, the nurse comes, sees you and the doctor comes, sees you at the end and probably spends the least amount of time with you. Um, you go to a restaurant, it's a team of people waiting on you and bringing you food. I mean, pretty much everything is a team. And so the idea of an, a truly individual agent that doesn't have an assistant seems kind of ludicrous in 2021 to me. Yeah, yeah there's, there's just not enough value that they can provide, right? There's just so much that comes in the, in the real estate. And, you know, we, we did this the other day, um, actually about a year ago, not the other day anymore, but we went through and, and we itemized, you know, the tasks. And, and I think Tim Heil did this at one point as well, where I think it was 180 tasks that went in as selling, you know, a single home. We've tweaked some of that for us. And I think we're down to 132 tasks. If you don't have an admin, if you don't have some buyer support, some help, some lead generation help, whatever, you know, you're just really leaving a lot of money, I think, on the table, as well as you're stunting sort of your own growth and that ability to, to really go far as opposed to, to just getting there. Right. So so thank you for sharing. When you think about your team, are you guys a traditional team structure, you know, listing agents, buyer agents, or are, have you guys kind of hybrided that a bit? You know, uh, honestly, a little bit of both, but we've always, uh, historically, we've always been very specialized. Um, and, you know, like my, my buyer's agents can take listings, um, but they tend not to, or they take a couple a year. And so I've always kind of said, if we're not going to specialize 100%, which sometimes you just can't, you know, some of our clients go, hey, I want to work with you. I'm doing business with you, not your team. And um, you have to make a decision whether to work with them or not. Um, and so, but we are pretty specialized. I mean, we've got a director of operations that just, you know, just does the check cutting and the systems and the, the, the processes, not just, but they do all those things. We've got a listing manager. We've got transaction manager. We've got a director of marketing. We've got, um, we always have interns from local colleges. We have two virtual assistants. Um, what am I missing? And then we have ISAs. Um, and then, and then we have kind of the senior agents on the team, and then we have uh, kind of junior agents or buyer uh, buyers agents. I mean, showing agents. All right. What's the what's the path? You know, what's what's the end game? Are we comfortable where we are, or is there a bigger? You know, you're gonna jump into expansion. That's been a hot topic. We've had we've had a couple of the, the guys from Place on. Um, you know, they're obviously the the upper echelon of expansion agents expansion sure. teams are you venturing into that world are you just going to continue to take over nashville at a high level yeah you know i i don't i think there's enough business in nashville and, and middle tennessee um i'm i'm not a huge fan of expansion I, I i see i like extensions more than expansion and so when i say extension i think there's places we can service that are you know 30 60 and 90 minutes outside of Nashville proper um, that we can kind of continue to grow outside of Middle Tennessee um, or even doing expansion that might be in, I don't think we ever need to leave the state of Tennessee. And, and I understand for people, you know, there's people like Adam Hergenrother who are in Vermont and Vermont's smaller than Nashville uh, for the entire state. So, you, so I understand going outside and doing that, but I think it's really hard to, I mean, you obviously have to be very systematized, but, you know, being in Bellingham, Washington and having expansion teams all over the country, there is going to be a certain amount of turnover and challenge um, if they're not really bought into your systems and, and that kind of thing. So um, it's not that I don't believe in it. I think there's enough opportunity with ancillary businesses, um, you know, having a, 
having an investment division that does flips and buy and holds in addition to helping our clients do it. Um, and then title and mortgage and property management. I think there's a lot of different opportunities there that we can get into without having to go outside of Tennessee. I like that. And I'm glad you shared that, right? Because like I said, we've had, we've had the other side of the conversation, which is, you know, we're in 55 locations and we're going to do a few billion dollars in sales and, and you're just going to continue to stay where you are and, and keep mining and get, digging deeper in, in that location. And, and I don't think there's a, a right or wrong answer when, when it comes to that one. I think it's simply what works for you. Where do you want to go? You know, what are your systems? What have you developed? And, and does it support it? I mean, a lot of people went into expansion and failed out of expansion. We know that side of it too, that, that it doesn't work for everyone. So yeah. I, I appreciate the insight there. So, so talk to me about the challenges. I mean, 15 years in the industry, you know, started as a solo. When did the team start? When did you finally have that epiphany of going, you know what, I'm, I'm going to hire my first admin? So, well, so the real team kind of started in late 2010. Um, so we've been doing it for a little over 10 years. I, I got an admin within like a year of being in the business. I think I hired a, a part-time admin probably like nine to 12 months into the business. And the reason for that was I, I learned on maybe transaction, transaction number two that I suck at paperwork, just flat out suck at paperwork. Uh, when you lose earnest money checks that are like $10,000 earnest money checks, you realize you shouldn't be touching any physical paper or anything. Um, and, you know, the cool part is just like you said about expansion, it works for some people. I know what my strengths are. I also know what my weaknesses are. And there's people that love paperwork. And so I'm not one of those people. So I hired those people. Um, and so that was kind of my first hire. Um, and then I moved into having a full-time assistant. Um, and then when I, my first full-time assistant brought me to about 78 transactions. And um, from there, we parted ways and um, I found a, more of a, you know, I think, I think it's really hard early on because Keller Williams does an amazing job of having content, documents, um, promoting team building, all these things, but it's also very confusing when you see like, hey, can I borrow your job description? And then somebody gives, you know, Andre's job description out on Indeed or Craigslist for what they're looking for. And it's like, yeah, that's about 70% of what you're looking for, but you didn't like formalize it or, or you know, create it for you specifically. Right. And I did that early on. I was like, I don't understand what the hell the difference is between an executive assistant, a director of operations, a, you know, like I'm hearing transaction coordinator, listing manager, listing coordinator, listing assistant, like what's the difference between the three? I still don't know. Um, <laughs> you know. It's like everybody's got different verbiage or lingo uh, internally and externally. So I, I think the best advice around hiring, you know, somebody was kind of the idea of like, go, go through one week and just write down on a piece of paper or on your Apple notes, like, what are the things that you do on a daily basis that just drain you of your energy or give you a ton of energy? And the things that drain you of your energy throughout the day like that's the job description for, for, for your hire. For the hire, yeah. Yeah, and so to me, that's like the easiest way to do it. It's like, what do you just go, oh, I hate doing this or, oh my God, I've typed this same email 347 times this week. And it's like, create a signature out of it or, or you know, automate it. Yeah, 
Well, and I don't know that, you know, I don't know that we as leaders do that enough. It sounds like you've, you've gotten good at, at recognizing that and, and getting away from it. But, you know, you know, for whatever reason, we, we tend to want to focus on our weaknesses, right? We want to be better at something. You know, I'm going to get better at paper. Yeah. 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 No, and I, I agree with that. I think a lot of people got to hear that. And, you know, part of the reason that, that we originally started the show was, was for exactly conversations like this, where it's like, you know, you're coming into real estate and, and real estate's such a vast terminology, right? Like, what do you do? Oh, I'm in real estate. Well, like you said, there's, there's 12 other jobs you can do. There's title companies, there's this, there's that and everything else. And, and then we, we don't really take it anywhere from that. We, we make those assumptions. Like you said, well, Josh has a great director of operations. I need help. Maybe I go do what Josh did and I go hire a DOO. Or maybe I don't because I think, hey, I'm better than that. And my ego shows up and I go, no, no, I can get better at paperwork. I don't need help. I don't want to spend the money. I don't want to this. I don't want to that. Yeah, I remember talking to Diane Griffin and Gary's uh, top agent group several years ago. And she go, you know, we were, we were having this conversation. She said, yeah, she said, you know, my first hire, she was like, I was going through a divorce. My first hire was a personal assistant to pick up my kids. And she was like, I went from having no income to having to have income and I needed to work and I needed some leverage in my personal life. And so that was her first hire. So it might not be a DOO or, or an EA or a whatever. Um, it, you just got to really analyze your life and figure out what you need the most help with. It'll leverage you the most to, to help clients and lead generate and bring in more business. I agree with that. Now, in, in your your hometown where you guys are selling, is it, I'm, I'm going to assume it's pretty similar to where we are, where, you know, 80% of the agents fail out of the business. Only, it seems like only, and it's probably even less than that. It's probably like 90% that fail out of this business and don't ever do anything. And then there's only about 1% that seem to do anything great and, and get to kind of the level that you're at. What's missing? Like, what, what are these agents coming into the business missing as far as, you know, becoming the next Josh Anderson? You know, uh, gosh, that's there's so many things there. I I think part of it is is you know the idea that real estate is, you know, two weeks to thirty days you can have your classes done and sit for an exam to sell somebody or assist somebody with the biggest sale of all time, you know, more money than they're ever going to put on anything else, more money than they give to their financial advisor uh, or wealth manager, and so part part of it is you know the National Association of Realtors they need quantity. They don't necessarily care about quality. And, you know, nobody's going to change my opinion on that. And I don't, I don't dislike them for that. I just, it's, it's a flawed system of having 16 hours every two years of continuing education. I think the other part is, you know, it's um, along with that, we probably need some type of MBA, something equivalent, if we really want people to feel like we're really kind of alongside your financial advisor as a consultant and advisor and a fiduciary, it's just too easy to get your license. Um, the other piece is most realtors and probably just most people in general get really boring. I mean, get really bored with um, mundane things and the things in my business that are the basics, the foundational things that we should be doing um, are the ones that are the consistent, what should be the consistency of what you're doing every single day. And that's what makes consistency over time is what makes somebody super successful. And, you know, there was about three or four years ago, I was in Austin um, with Gary. And I said, I said, Gary, I'm, I'm like borderline, I think I'm kind of burnt out, but I'm like such a hard worker that I'm just grinding through this stuff. And he's like, Josh, 
the best businesses and the best business people in the world do the same thing over and over at a really high level. And they have a high tolerance for boredom. And I was like, oh, okay. And so that kind of like renewed, I was like, okay, I, I'm doing, I'm doing the right things then. And so I've never gotten away from lead generation for three or four hours every morning. I've never gotten away from the idea that, you know, time blocking is super important and having a database and feeding it and adding value to it. Um, having lead generation sources, knowing my numbers. Those are all things that I've really kind of stuck to. And I think, I think most agents have shiny object syndrome and they're like, this is boring. I want to go do something fun and creative. And that's fine. You can go do fun and creative. You just have to do the stuff in the morning that you know you have to do to stay in the business. And those are all like super predictable things if you do them over time. Over time. And I don't know. I like long romantic walks to the bank so yeah. <laughs> i love that one we're gonna put that in your in your title josh likes long romantic walks to the bank yeah. <laughs> that's awesome thank, thank you for sharing and, and you know we get asked that question a lot and you know when i when i was starting the show and i thought you know what's a word that symbolizes and, and you know it's over my right shoulder i look at it every single day and it, it was that that word specifically hustling and you know, I, I came into this business as a second career. Like I went to school for computer programming analyst, was doing that, had a career, was, was doing really well. And, uh, you know, then I got, you guys went through the recession, which obviously trickled, trickled into here. We're so connected to you guys, whatever happens in the States follows us. So we were right behind you guys. And the company I worked for was a U.S. company. And uh, so I got, I got a pink slip one Friday. I came in and they were like, Hey, you know, you got to go. Um, we're trimming the fat and, and you're the new guy on the block. So, so you're first up. And, and then I found myself back in the bar industry, looking to figure out where I wanted to go with life. And, and real estate seemed like a natural, natural choice. Always had interest there, investment properties, that sort of stuff and, and jumped in. And, and similar to you, I right? came out of the gate and did over 20 deals in my first year. Difference, I think, was I didn't have I didn't have a system or a model or a KW. I was at another company and I had no idea what I was doing. And no one taught me how to do that. No one taught me how to time block, lead generate, get on the phones every day, go to the doors. I remember going to my broker manager at the time. And, and this was my almost out of the business story because it was it was that bad. And I went to her and I was like, I'm, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do next. I don't know where to go next. And she handed me a flyer for a bus ad. And she said, I think you should call these guys. And uh, there's a bench right outside our office. And there's one right up the road that are still available. And you should go get on them. You're like, what? She's like, come on, that's that's your solution. And she's like, Yeah, I don't really have anything else for you. You know, you should you should go, you should go advertise. And so she then, you know, funny enough, she then brought in her husband, who was the successful agent. And uh, I had a meeting with him, and his answer was go get a BMW. I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me here. Like, you, you gotta be joking. Like, that cannot be the answer. He's like, no, no, if you go take a thousand dollar a month lease payment you'll figure it out. <laughs> I was just, I, like, I laugh at it today because, you know, they're, they're both still in the business. Um, definitely haven't grown at all. But I remember that's how my conversation with Keller Williams started is I, I had a conversation with a team leader and I kind of asked him the same question. I was like, man, what do I do? Like I'm stuck. Where do I go? And he's like, oh, you're just going to pick up the phone for two and a half hours every day. And then you're going to do 30 minutes follow-up. I was like, okay, but that can't be it. And he was like, no, no, that's it. Like they're, they're, we're not going to talk about anything else. <laughs> you got to do it every day. Every day. You're going to do it every day. We're not talking about anything else until you do it. 
And, um, you know, so I joined, I joined KW, I came over from that other company and, uh, and, and I still thank him to this day because he got me out of a really tough spot that I was in and, and about to be out of the business. That's all we would talk about on Mondays. I meet with him every Monday for half an hour and he would just say, Hey, how many people did you talk to? How many real estate conversations you have? And how many follow-ups did you get? How many hours did you work last week? And if it was outside of Legion, he basically told me I wasn't working, <laughs> you know, five jobs of an agent. And so, you know, I, that was kind of what I wanted to give back when I thought about starting the show was, you know, so many people are coming into our industry. Everyone looks to real estate, especially now with the tech boom. I think there's a lineup of people that are going to be coming in and, and wanting to be realtors because, you know, the tech is promising that it's going to be easy. And then that's, you know, text claiming that they've got the new easy button, if you remember that from a few years ago. And I think it's going to really hurt our industry and it's really going to hurt these agents coming in. I think we're just going to see the failure rate become even more staggering because they're not going to know what to do and they're not going to have the red book or at least they're not going to implement it. And, um, you know, I think a lot of agents are, are going to leave the business and a lot of there's just a massive shift coming. And I always thought, you know, if I can have top earners, top performers coming on the show, reiterating over and over and over again, guys, this is not hard. It's an easy business. You can get a license pretty easily, but you still got to show up and do the work. Then, then, you know, hopefully we can change a few lives or, or there's a realtor out there that's struggling right now, listening, going, Hey, you know, I can turn my life around. I, I you know, all I got to do is what Josh and Andre said. And, you know, I just got to go do something every day for three hours a day and continue yeah. to generate business. I think, I think lead generation fixes everything. You might not have the perfect systems. You might not have the perfect price point. You might be new to town. If you outwork the competition and you lead generate every single day for 30 minutes more than everybody else does, it might not show up in the first 90 days, but you're going to win. Like that's all there is to it. It's, it's the, it's, it's the same as anything else. I mean, you got to show up and do the work. There's no, there's no easy button. And, you know, I had a guy on my team, couple of years ago, we're still friends. And he was with me for like four years. And he, he, he would always say, well, your entire family lives in Nashville. And you're from Nashville. So that's why I said, you know how much business I do from family? Zero. Zero, because it's easier not to. And I go, dude, it's because I wake up at 4.30 every day. I go work out. I get to the office and I kick everybody's ass. Like, that's what I do. I, I, I know I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I never will be. I will outwork anybody. Yeah. I grew up on a farm. I was in the military. Like I, I know how to work. That's, that's one thing my dad will leave me is how to work. How to work. Right. And, and, and it's that simple. Right. And, and I love that you said that is, is you're just going to do more than your competitor. You're just going to do more to win than the next guy, even though it's, it's, you know, we're not in direct competition with anybody, but at the end of the day, we're in competition over the leads. We're in competition over that next seller, that next buyer. And so, you know, getting up every day, it sounds like you're pretty regimented following the miracle morning. Was it the miracle morning that you followed or is just, just being, being on a farm? No, it's, it's just being, my dad didn't let us sleep in. So it's carried over from, I remember my dad would come in the, he would come in our room. He'd come in my room when I was like, I don't know, seven or eight, 10, whatever. And he'd flicker the lights on and off. Like who does that? Like, so then you're, you're awake because, you know, like wake up, it's time to work. I'm like okay uh, and, and you're out there by you're out there by you know probably 5 30 6 o'clock because right. you know it, it's mind-blowing that farmers by the time most of the world wakes up farmers are done like you guys are you know you're, you're finished your job you're, you're kind of moving in to the next stage of the day but I think that's the world in general 
And, you know, when you look at successful people, you look at where the world's headed. You know, I had a friend say to me, he's, he's on the East Coast. And he said, you know, he's up, he's up at 2 a.m. And I said, that's crazy. Now he's, he's in a different world. He's in the stock world. And, you know, he said that he has to be up that early because on the other side of the world, if he's not up by that time, they're already halfway done their day. Yep. Right. And so he's looking at it at what opportunities am I missing? And I think when you start to get into that sort of thinking, you know, if you're in California and you're getting up at nine o'clock in the morning, you've already lost. Oh, yeah. Right. Like it's noon on the East coast. <laughs> you're done. Right. So, so I think that that habit is a really good habit to have. And, and, you know, your, your life starts with how you end your day and how you start your day and uh, you know, kudos to you, man. Yeah. Thank you. I, I think for anybody listening, it's just, it's a contact sport. It's not, it's not always, uh, it's a relatively easy business and just do the basics. You know, I think a lot of people struggle with like, well, what do I say to people? And it's just like, man, stop worrying about scripts. Just have a conversation with another human and ask them how they're doing. Genuinely ask how they're doing. Ask them about their business. And what are they going to do in return? They're going to be like, well, what do you do? How's your business? Yeah. That's your I, opportunity to have a, your elevator speech or whatever you want to tell them. Yeah, I, I had to, I had this, um, I teach a class around, um, you know, the, the two sides of lead generation, the in-person and the social media side of it. And uh, I always get that question. I always say to people, you know, you don't walk into a party, shake someone's hand and go, hey, I'm Josh. Nice to meet you. I sell real estate. Because if you did that every single day of your life, nobody would ever talk to you. Nobody. <laughs> nobody, right? You get one phone call or one in person with them, and then they would never invite you back. Exactly, right? And so it's, it's kind of like you said, right? You got to kind of treat it like a big party, like you're at a party for the first time and you don't know anybody. Well, you're not going to walk in and start pitching yourself. You're going to walk in and you're going to ask them about themselves. Hey, what do you do? Where do you work? You know, tell me about your life. Do you have kids, et cetera, et cetera. Because the natural thing, the law of reciprocity says, if I ask you enough times about you, you're eventually going to go, Hey, what do you do? And that's your opening. But I think, I think that part of it, that, that being real, that you know, yes, we're realtors, but also we've forgotten that this is that contact sport. This is that opportunity to develop relationships. And if you're not in it for that, I think you're going to fail out. That's right. right. So so what's, what's next for the Anderson team? I mean, where are you guys headed? What's the growth path look like? Do you have the five, the 10 year mapped out yet? Yeah. So I've got a five year mapped out. You know, I think the big piece is um, one of the things you asked me earlier, something along the lines of like, How'd you get here? What are, you know, what are your struggles? And I think it's the ongoing couple of struggles we all have is getting in business with, with good people or better people. It's always finding the who. Um, it's hard to get into business with, I mean, it's, and it's hard to interview. You know, I think it takes a long time to find people to put them on the right seat in the bus. Um, and, and maybe there's opportunities to move them around. But I think, I think that's the ongoing challenge um, is finding the right people that are in alignment with what your vision is and getting them in your organization. I think it's for a lot of people that have worked corporate um, or just some other job that they get a salary. It's especially if they're in their thirties or forties and have a wife and kids, it's scary as hell to like go from making 50 or $80,000 a year to zero and know that I don't know when my next check's coming in. But I think if you align yourself with the right person or the right team and they've got the right training and they're willing to like meet with you and teach you and train you, um, you'll be fine. 
you just got to believe in the system. How, how long are you willing to, uh, to, to stay in business with someone who's not productive? Do you guys have metrics around that sort of stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, so when we, when, when somebody comes into our business, we have our first hundred days of training. Um, and we really, I mean, we're this year we've, we've slacked off on it a little bit because of how crazy our market is. Um, but we've got, we, we, we just let somebody go because we put them on a performance improvement plan and just said, you know, you've got 30 days, man. It's uh, we want to be in business with you. It's nothing personal, but we can't let you slide and then let the other people not slide. Like it's a standard. So like, I don't fire anybody anymore. There's just standards. Right. And so I just, I told him, I said, listen, we don't, we don't even need to meet 30 days from now. If you know, that you haven't hit your numbers. Um, and we met anyway. Um, but I told him, I said, you didn't hit your numbers. You hit part of them and you didn't hit the rest. And it was just, it was, it, the relationship had run its course. Great guy, just wasn't a good fit for us long-term. And so we put people on performance improvement plans because we want to be in business with the best and we want to always be top grading. And, you know, there's people, not that they're toxic or they're, you know, cancer for the, for the uh, culture of the team, because he wasn't, but he was kind of, there was a universal agreement on the team that they were okay with him not being in the organization anymore. So we, we let people go, you know, I I think that's part of real estate is if you're going to build a team, you're going to have people come and go. And that's just part of it. My core people have been with me for, you know, Stephanie and Caroline have worked with me for 10 plus years as buyer's agents. Um, my director of operations has been here for going on four years. Uh, everybody's been here kind of three years, except for the new junior agents. And um, so we, we've got a pretty good, pretty good team set up and a pretty good culture. Um, but we do, we have to let people go. It sucks, but it's part of it. Just kind of the nature of the beast. When you talk about culture, what, what is, what does that word mean to you? What does that mean to your organization when you guys are thinking about your culture um, in that word? You know, I think the biggest piece is like, I think we all, I think it's kind of work hard, play hard. Um, you know, we do, we do lots of team outings. We do client giveaways. We do client events. Um, and I've kind of always said, you know, if I'm going to spend this much time with people in our organization, I want them to be awesome. I want them, to, I want it to be a very open, transparent uh, situation where they can come to anybody and we can call each other out not in a bad way, but call each other out if you're not doing it. I, I liken everything on a team, like a real estate team. I'm a sports guy, so I, I'm all sports analogies. I kind of look at it and go, all right, if this is college football, I, I, I love the SEC. I went to LSU. I want to be in a bowl game every year, and I want to be in the top three or top five for a national championship. So like, that's the goal every year. So if everybody else is in alignment with winning, that that's that's the biggest piece for me is – we can have fun and have an awesome culture and call each other out and still win. Um, and there's, you know, there's people that aren't that there's a lot of people, there's nothing wrong with this, but there's a lot of people that want to do one deal a month. I put too much time and energy in, into our training and meeting with our, our team to want to help somebody that wants to do, you know, they're good with 12 deals a year because their husband or wife makes enough money or that's just good enough for them. There's nothing wrong with it. It just doesn't work for us. Right. And you just clear about that. And that, I mean, that is your culture. How, how are you, you know, and this, this one might be a little bit loaded and, and we're almost out of time, but 
But how are you motivating your people? I mean, I, I know Nashville, depending on when you're listening to this, you know, we're still tail end, I guess we would say for you guys, as far as the, the pandemic goes, um, you guys have been open for a while. Like we're watching from Canada and seeing all these party buses and the things you guys are doing. And it's just, it's wild, yeah. you know, and, and for us, the flip side, like, you know, we're coming out of our third lockdown that, that we've just been completely restricted. So we've lost a lot of the culture pieces, you know, being able to do events and client events. Like we, we haven't had that for over a year and a half now since this thing started, but how are you motivating and keeping your people constantly going through the hard times? Yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of it is um, when the pandemic happened. So we're used to all being in the office every day, having team meetings on Wednesdays. Um, when all that went away, we kind of shifted to morning huddles every day so we could still see each other's faces and we're still connected um we're still saying hey what are your wins for the week or what are your ahas what are you what, what's your you know gratitude um we have a nonprofit that we um do quite a bit through and we we um i think that helps the team like be able to go out into the community and give and do and it makes you feel good um m- motivating them sometimes you know i mean I'll, I'll be honest sometimes it's hard because there's times when I get down because I'm going, this is such a crazy market. Um, it's hard to motivate sometimes, but I think it's just constantly reminding them why we're doing what we do and bringing it back always to their personal goals. So this isn't about me hitting certain numbers. It's about, these are the goals that you set for yourself. What happens if you don't hit these? Like what happens if you don't hit these numbers? What can't you do for your kids? Or what can't you, what trip can't you take? Um, so it's just kind of talking about those regularly and gotcha. being very, yeah. Gotcha. Josh, we're, we're pretty well out of it. I, you know, this is a curveball. Josh didn't know this was happening guys. What's your mic drop moment. What's something that anyone listening has to hear in your experience that you think you got to get out today? God, that is tough. <laughs> a lot. Mic drop moment. Uh, I, I, I would can I give like an old mic drop moment? Yeah, for sure. I think my first mic drop moment when I felt like I like I made it uh, in Keller Williams was was being asked to be on stage with Gary Keller in front of twelve thousand people. Um, scary as hell, and uh, Gary Gary makes you look like a rock star. But it was, I think that was the moment where I was kind of like, all right, I put in enough work to be asked to be on stage, yeah. and that felt pretty awesome. So. Congrats. That's, that's amazing. And uh, we're going to, we're going to keep in touch. One of the things I like to do is, is, you know, we do a follow-up probably sometime next year, we'll reach out and kind of see where you are in terms of your goals and how things are going. So excited to have you back on the show um, some point next year. Thank you, Josh. If someone's looking for you, if they're in Nashville, they want to join your team, they want to get a hold of you. Um, what's the best way to track you down? Is it social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, text, email? Yeah. Um, you can do, um, Facebook or Instagram's easy. It's just my name. You'll you'll see my profile pic on there. And then if you want to send me an email that goes to me and Sarah, uh, info at Josh Anderson Real Estate. And Sarah's your your DO, correct? Yep. Yeah, she's she's been amazing. I know we've had a couple of chats with her. So so thank you guys. If you're looking to track down Josh, Facebook, Instagram are the two easiest places. There's been another episode of the Real Estate Hustle podcast, bringing you that information on how to develop and train and grow your businesses. Josh, thank you so much again. And I look forward to keeping in touch. Yeah, man. Thank you. Have a great week. You as well.